believe the youth are now dismissed. I'm reading that, right? There was a time pre-pandemic that I preached with my mask on and until someone realized or someone told me, I guess everyone realized, but someone told me, it's like, we're really far away. We don't think you need to have your mask on. I was like, wisdom of the body. I receive it. Uh, good morning. We are this week uh, continuing our, our sermon series on parables of Jesus. Again, we've been focusing on how Jesus is teaching us to transform us. We talked about during Advent season, coming to the new year, about Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. And as we look at the life of Jesus as shown in the Gospels, you see a God who wants to teach us how to live and love to please God. And in so doing, he has different ways that he teaches, and each of these teachings are meant to transform us. In these parables, we're saying that these are everyday stories. These these are stories people can relate to. These are, these are literally things they either did or people they knew, right? These are things that are very, very familiar to them. And he would take all of that, build onto it, and really tell you the implications of the kingdom. Jesus wanted to transform how we thought about God, ourselves, our life, and even this world in general. And I love that as a good teacher, he starts with something they would understand and, and, and add on to it. Well, well, these parables then for us, we're saying, are, are both a mirror because they help us see ourselves, where we stand before God, where we stand in the kingdom, where we stand in the world. But they also are a window because they open our eyes to, to maybe how the kingdom is or how the world is or how God is calling us to be in the world and in the kingdom. This morning we will do um, a parable that might not be as familiar to us. It's the parable of the faithful servant. And, and as I thought about this parable for the last couple of weeks, I was reminded of, of a time I wasn't so faithful. There was a faithful night in southwest Philadelphia, as most of you no, or should know, I grew up in Southwest Philly. Um, took me about 15 years in Harrisburg to say I'm from Harrisburg, and it still feels weird coming out, right? But I grew up in Southwest Philly, and I remember uh, it was in between that time, between um, like late middle school, early high school. You know, we were raised by a single mom, and she had to go to work, right? And then before she went to work, she laid out the rules. It wasn't that wild, right? She was working a night shift as a nurse, and, and so the rules were what? Go to bed somewhat reasonably, right? And these are, so these are all the big ones, right? Make sure, right, the door is closed and locked behind you and turn off everything. Well, it was hot. <laughs> it was the Southwest Philly summer. The AC was out. So not only did I have the window fans going, right? I had like plugged in fans going. And then there was like a breeze that you would catch every like 1.3 minutes, right? So I had the windows open. I had the front door open. But the screen was at least locked, right? And I was cool. I was comfortable. I was laying there. But I remember what the rule of the master of the house was. Go to bed at a reasonable time, turn everything off, and shut my door, right? That's not what I did. You know, I was watching TV, and I don't know what time it was. Uh, I remember my brother comes to me, and he was just like, so my brother and I were a year apart, but he was the oldest when I got in trouble. You know, we were equal on everything except when I got in trouble. Then it's like, you're the oldest. You should know better, right? I remember him before going and saying, listen, I need you to make sure you shut off everything, close the door, and actually cut the lights off, and actually just go to your bed. Even if you hear her coming, just run to your bed and pretend you were sleeping. Just do that, right? He was the faithful one. So what happened? Well, the master of the house returns. My brother Joe was faithful. I was not. I was not ready for the master's return, right? And there was weeping and much gnashing of teeth, right? <laughs> and that's what this parable reminds me of. Because that's the story that Jesus is telling. When the master returns, are you ready? And in all of Matthew 24, he's asking this question time and time again, story and story and parable and parable. He's asking, what does it mean to be ready 
for when I return. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 24. We're going to the end of the chapter. We'll be reading verses 42 to 51. Starting at verse 42, it reads, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them food at their proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that a servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. Our Father and God, we thank you so much that you are indeed the God who is faithful. You're faithful in creating this world. You're faithful in creating us. You're faithful in writing our stories. You're faithful in putting us in each other's stories. You're faithful in putting us in this time and place. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are faithful. Faithful and loving to leave heaven to come to earth. Faithful and loving to show us how to live to please God. Faithful and loving to go to Calvary's tree. Faithful and loving after you were resurrected and brought to life to send us out to be your witnesses into the world. And you're faithful and loving now to stand before the Father as our mediator, as our advocate, on behalf of us before God. Faithful to make heaven for us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your faithfulness, for leading us, for guiding us, for calling to mind the things that God has already taught and shown us. We pray now that you lead and guide us in this service as we focus and and, and think about and, and pray on what does it mean to be faithful to God. Holy Spirit, help us. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God, we thank you for being our faithful God. And we ask you now to teach us how to be faithful as you are faithful to us and our world. In your holy and precious name, amen. One of the things I've learned to love about parables is that when Jesus teaches, he often has one lesson in mind, right? And I think that's important because in the parables, we we sometimes look at it as like we got to break down and get everything. And, and But usually there's one big lesson that he wants us to know. Now, the parables were rich, right? They were rich in content. They were rich in setting. They were rich in characters. Like each parable was different because Jesus was preaching to different crowds. But they were so, so rich. But I think the thing about these parables is they weren't mysteries, right? Like Jesus is not telling these stories so that you can like get out your your magnifying glass and Sherlock Holmes it, right? Like Jesus isn't trying to get you to figure out what he's saying. He's going to say it very, very plainly what he wants you to know. Now, now that also means that because it's not a mystery, we don't have to necessarily look at the parables as like, well, this represents this and this represents this and this represents that. Jesus is like, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm going to have a meaning for you, and you're going to get it. And part of the way we know that is that parables often pose the question. Like, for example, in the, the, the parable of the Samaritan, right? Y'all used to call it Good Samaritan, but we realized that might be slightly racist, so we're not going to use that anymore, right? Like, imagine if I said, let me tell you the parable of the good black guy. You'd be like, hmm, that's a little suspect, right? Or like the good white guy, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that, right? So we're just going to drop that Good Samaritan. I know they got hospitals and stuff, but we think that's slightly kind of wrong, right? Like, if you don't believe me, just try that on one of your friends. Be like, let me tell you the parable of the good white guy. Just see what they say to you, you know? But in the parable of the Samaritan, right, the question is posed as what? Who's my neighbor? 
And so Jesus' purpose of telling that parable is to what? Answer who's my neighbor. And the answer is what? The one who loves the way God loves. Not the one who's supposed to love, not the one who's hired by the, the, the temple to love, but the one who actually loves the way God loves, disregarding all the, the social quote-unquote etiquette or even just the racism between Jews and Samaritans and the years and, and, and the, 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 the hundreds of years, the centuries of fighting between Jews and Samaritans, right? And the answer is, who's my neighbor? The one who loves like Jesus loves. Or if you look at the, the further on in Luke, in Luke 15, the, the three famous parables about the sheep and the coin and the lost sons, right? Where again, time and time again, Jesus is answering, what does love look like? What does love look like? It looks like rejoicing in heaven every time one person believes. It looks like a lady who lost a paycheck who finds it and does a dance. It looks like, 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 like a, a, a shepherd, who knows the 99 is safe and goes off and finds the one that's lost, brings that one back home, and then has a party to celebrate. It looks like a father who loves both sons, a son who's bold enough to say, I want nothing to do to you. I wish you were dead. Give me your inheritance, or give me my inheritance that I didn't earn, but it's mine, right? Of a son who's willing to, to blow all of that, and yet the father every single day waits by the side of the road. Yet the father every single day waits by the side of the road. And, and it's, it's when he sees the son from afar, and remember in that parable, right, the son has his elevator speech, right? He has it like, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, and then he's going to accept me. He might not accept me as his son, but at least he'll accept me as a servant. Yet the father runs to the son. Something that we kind of don't, don't, don't really understand in our culture because I like that culture. Older men aren't supposed to run. And I'm not that old yet, but I'm older men. Running is just not okay, right? Like, why run when you can walk, right? That's my philosophy. But he runs to his son, not just because he's happy to see him, not just because he wants him to feel his love, but because he's going to welcome him back into the family. And he's going to give him his protection as he comes back into the community. And even the other son who's lost, who stays home the whole time and thinks that love is about duty. Love is about putting my nose down and working hard and earning it. When the father has to remind him too, all that I have is yours. All I've ever had is yours. And so Jesus in those parables is saying, what does love look like? It looks like a God who runs to you. It looks like a God who gives you his offering and his protection. It looks like a God who's always there for you. It looks like a God that, yes, you fell short but he will always welcome you back home and he will always, always give you his protection. That's what love looks like. So when we get to Matthew 24, we have a series of sayings and parables where Jesus' focus is that I am coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready? You don't know the time. You don't know the place. You don't know the hour. You don't know the minute. You don't even know what you'll be doing. Are you ready? And I have to confess, growing up in the church, when we first talked about that, we went straight to salvation, right? It's just like, are you ready for Jesus to return? And the question was about salvation. And the question was, where do you stand before God today? If Jesus were to come right now, are you ready? And so we were taught that we live in a world that's fallen, yes. But we live in a world where all of us on our own fall short and cannot reach God on our own. What we've earned because of our sins and our wrongdoing and our disobedience to God is separation to God forever. But praise God for the free gift of Jesus Christ. 
Praise God for the Holy Spirit that makes us aware of the free gift of Jesus Christ. And praise God that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he was raised from the dead. Because if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that God has not only died on the cross, but God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So when we say, are you ready for Jesus to come back? It is important that we start with salvation. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24. And then when we say, are you ready growing up in the church? And then the next question I would get is, well, how are you following God? How are you following God right now? It's not about a decision you made last year or decades ago. It's not about a decision you made a long, long while ago. It's about right now in your everyday scenes. In your workplace, how are you following God? In your home, how are you following God? When you're driving on the road and someone cuts you off, how are you following God? How are you following God today? Because you never know the time and place that Jesus might come back. And I think that gets us closer to what Jesus is preaching or sharing in Matthew 24. Because I think that the question that Jesus is asking to all his followers gathered together is simply this. Are you being faithful? Because it's not just about the decision you made a long time ago. It's how are you following me right now? What is faithfulness in your life? When you describe your relationship with God, can you say it's about faithfulness? And I'm not just talking about God's faithfulness to you. I'm talking about what does your faithfulness to God look like? What does your faithfulness to Jesus look like? What does your faithfulness to submitting to the Spirit looks like? Here's one we don't like very much. What does your faithfulness to the body of Christ looks like? And that's very anti-Western. That's very anti-American. That's very anti-individual. Like, it, it, the, the scripture and Bible and Christian history seems to let us know, even though we don't want to believe it, that we belong to one another as much as we belong to God. So in our culture and context, is what do I think? What's my story? In the Christian body of faith, it's not just what do I think. It's not just what God is saying to me. It's what does God say to us? And we don't like it because God is asking us to not only submit to him, but submit to one another. And that is not just countercultural. That's anti-Western. That's anti-American. And here's the thing. This is something we all struggle with. What does it mean to submit to one another? What does your faithfulness look like? And in this parable, Jesus is going to tell us that faithfulness Faithfulness is a key tenet of the kingdom. We started off the sermon series talking about what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like a mustard seed. It starts small and it grows big. It starts obscure and ends in glory. It starts as a seed and it grows to be a tree. A tree that not only grows up, but a tree where birds can come and perch on it. The reminder to us that God's faith that he puts in us is for the world. That the kingdom might start small, but it's for the world. And then last week, we learned that a core tenet of being in the kingdom isn't just how big it is, but as people in the kingdom, it has to be about forgiveness. So it's important that we can say, I love you. But it's perhaps just as important, or depending on your situation, more important to say, I'm sorry. And for some of us, it's just as important or more important to say, I forgive you, and to truly forgive and now this morning, the kingdom that's small and grows big, the kingdom that's obscure and grows to glory, the kingdom that's for the world, as a kingdom where we have to be people who forgive 
And now Jesus is going to say it's a kingdom where you have to be people who are faithful. So he starts our passage saying, I want you to keep watch because you don't know when I'm coming. It's in line with everything else you see in Matthew 24. And he tells a story about, you know, if an owner knew when a thief was coming, the owner would be ready. And what's interesting in that culture and context is that if you were a thief and you stole during the daytime, you were all right. If you're a thief, and not all right as it is good. It means like it's not as bad, you know? I'm just, I don't want to confuse the people, you know, like stealing bad. But if you're a thief that was bold enough to come at night, you were seen as dangerous because you weren't coming because your family needed bread. You weren't coming because, you know, you just happened to see something that you've tried, it doesn't belong to you that you want to take. You were coming to injure, to harm. So when Jesus brings up this parable of the owner saying he would be ready at night, he's saying not just that, like, oh, the thief is coming and I'm ready. He's saying that even if danger is coming, you would know and you would be ready. So this owner, if he knew the time the thief was coming, he would be prepared. And then Jesus raises the question, you need to be ready because you will not know when I come. And then he poses two different servants, right? And for this morning, we'll call the faithful one Joe, if you remember the early story, and we'll call the second one Hank. Well, you know, we'll call him Henry because you know me as Hank. We'll call him Henry because Hank would never do such things. Henry would. I like the amen. Thanks, Philip. And in this parable, Jesus talks about Joe, right, the faithful and wise servant. And he poses this thing and he says, which one of these is faithful? Which one of these is wise? Which one of these is sensible? Which one of these is faithful? The first one is in charge of all the servants. And this is interesting because in that culture, very much like our own in a way, right? Where the rich are super rich, right? And everyone else is trying to figure it out, right? But a lot of these people who owned houses or, or owned estates would only be able to live in one at a time. So it was very, very common. Like when Jesus is telling this story, they don't have to use their imagination because it was very, very common that even on the, the streets they lived or the cities they lived or the towns they lived in to have these owners of estates who would live there for a week and then maybe not come back for a year, who would live there for a month and then maybe not come back for three months. So the idea that an owner would leave a manager or servant in charge of the house isn't that wild to them, right? Like me, I get terrified thinking of somebody's dog sitting for me. I don't even have a dog, right? But like these owners, this is what they would do. Like they would literally live and then move and live and then move. So everyone in the audience would have been like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, you're right, because you never know when he's coming back, right? He says, who's the wise and faithful one? It's the one who, yes, he's in charge of the house, but the owner is giving him responsibility for everyone else in the house. And he's actually going about his duties. He's feeding them. He's, he's loving them. He's caring for them. And so when the, the owner comes back, when he doesn't expect it, how pleased is the owner that he sees them positively being faithful? And because of that, this servant, Joe, we'll call him, has greater responsibility. He blesses him with all, puts him in charge of all his possessions. But then there's the Henry, right? Every family's got one. The unfaithful servant, who, yes, the master has left in charge of the whole house. And yes, he's supposed to be faithful and taking care of not only the house and the business of the house, but the people of the house. But that Henry says what? Hmm, this guy's away. Last time, he was away for a year. So I figured I got at least a good six months to party. And so that's what he does, right? He's not only wicked to his treatment of the other servants, but he's going out and wasting the owner's resources by getting drunk. 
He's going out and actually choking people, and, like, and he's just being a tyrant. And the owner shows up there too. And now he's unexpectedly sees his owner. And just like the good servant was blessed and he reaped what he sowed, so now the unfaithful servant reaps what he sowed. And so Jesus is saying your wickedness, your lack of faithfulness is going to reap judgment because God considers our lack of faithfulness serious. I think faithfulness is not a word we use enough in our faith. We use love, which is great. We use grace, which is amazing. We use mercy, which we're grateful for. We use compassion, which is awesome. We use faithfulness for what God is. But how many times do we use faithfulness for what we are? Are we faithful to our God? Are we faithful to one another? Are we faithful to the, the resources that God has placed in our hands? Are we faithful? If you look at your life, if you look at your family, you look at your work, you look at your resources, you look at your gifts, you look at your skills, you look at your abilities, you put them all down, can you answer, God, I'm being faithful with you here and here and here? Are we faithful to God? It's easy to sing God is faithful because guess what? God is faithful. The question for us in this, this, this proverb, the question for us in this parable is, are you faithful to God? Because God seems to think that matters. And God seems to think your faithfulness will lead to reward. But your lack of faithfulness will also reap punishment. So the work for all of us as kingdom people is that we have a God who's faithful, but who calls us to be faithful too. In that culture, not only would the master and the servant be a reminder of these earthly masters who would go off to vacation and come back, but in that culture, the master and servant was an old proverbial trick that the storytellers would tell or prophets would use to signify God and Israel. So when they hear master and servant, then we hear about God and then we hear about Israel. So when we say, be faithful for our God has been faithful, then we hear in this telling of this story is, wow, how has God been faithful to us? And so when we think about why we need to be faithful to God, I think we can ask that same question too. How has God been faithful to you? Yes, he saved you. But aren't you glad and blessed that he didn't just save you? Aren't you glad and, aren't you glad and blessed that God didn't just say, I died on the cross for your sins, now you're good? Aren't you glad that every single day he's been with you? Aren't you glad that every single day he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. Aren't you glad that he's blessed you with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you? Aren't you glad that he's blessed you with the community of faith that's all around you to support you? Aren't you glad that he's taken your skills, your gifts, your abilities, and enhanced them for his glory, for his kingdom come? Aren't you glad that God didn't just save you? Are you glad that God is still saving you? Because we ain't there yet, are we? Be faithful for God is faithful. So the Jewish people would have heard that the God of this universe, the God who saved us from slavery in Egypt, the God who established us not only as a country, but as a people, as kings and priests, as a light to the nations, he's the one who's been faithful to us. And so the same way when we say we need to be faithful to God, we can say praise the Lord that the God of the universe left heaven to come to earth. Walked this earth to show us how to please him. Died on Calvary's tree, yes. Resurrected, yes. But he sends us out. And how humble is our God. 
that if we are working with him, first of all, that we get to work with him. Second of all, that he sends the spirit in us and that our faithfulness can help make on earth as it is in heaven. Be faithful as God has been faithful. Be faithful to God by stewarding all that God has given you. In the parable, both servants are in charge of something, the whole house. Both servants are in charge of other people. Both servants are in charge of the resources. I think stewarding is a word that we kind of have to make cool again, right? Like We got to get back to the idea of stewarding. Because God, with our gifts and skills and abilities and resources, doesn't care if we're a saver or a spender. He cares more, are we a steward? Because if you're a saver, you're waiting till tomorrow comes and you're prepared for everything. That's good, right? And sometimes we as savers trust in our savings more than our God, but that's another thing we'll work with, right? And if you're a spender, you don't have, not only are you not prepared for tomorrow, you have really good todays, and it'll really dry three, four months, right? And if you think about it, not just about money, but if you think about your skills, your gifts, your abilities, your story, you think about the heart that was a light to the nation. That's why Jesus says you're the light of the world. That's why Jesus is in heaven making it perfect for us. And all that's left down here is the spirit and you. And we can be confident that the spirit is doing its work. But are we confident that we're faithfully doing our work? Because in this parable, we learn that God sees your faithfulness. If you have been following Jesus for longer than I've been alive, God sees it. If you've been following Jesus for a minute, God sees that too. If you've been faithful in the little things, God sees that. In fact, John Chrysostom, who's, 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 at least in history, at least the books tell me, he's one of the greatest preachers ever, right? He says, faithfulness in little things is the big thing. I love that because that's, that's written centuries ago, and it's still true today because sometimes we think we ought to be faithful in the big things, and God sees the big things. But God seems to believe that every single thing matters. How are you being faithful in the little things? God leaves work for all of us to do, and he sees and counts that faithfulness because faithfulness is our business. And I love this one. This one actually comes from J.H. Packer. He says, faithfulness is our business. Fruitfulness is an issue we must be content to leave with God. And I love that. That makes me feel relieved, right? Like God doesn't expect me to be the instigator of all the fruit. God doesn't expect me to save people. God doesn't expect me to, 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 to die on the cross for people. But God does expect me to be faithful. Because my faithfulness is the job that I have to do. So my question again for us this morning is with all that you are, are you being faithful? With all that God's blessed you with, are you being faithful? Because this parable isn't just about being good and not being bad. It's about obeying and not disobeying. But it's about wisdom and folly. Again, the proverb says the wise people are the people who honor God. And the fools are the ones who forget. So again, I ask you, how are you being faithful? Because I think for a lot of us, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's compassion is beautiful. But if we're honest with ourselves, it's given us a reason to think that we can slack. God loves me. God always loves me. That's great. How are you living to show your love for God? God's gracious. God's always gracious. I love it. How are you being gracious, not only before God, but, but to one another? God's merciful. How are you being merciful? God's faithful. How are you being faithful? So this sermon, this parable, isn't just about Jesus is coming. It's yes, Jesus is coming. But when Jesus comes, can you fully say, God, I have been faithful? 
And if you haven't been faithful, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the joy of the Lord is that right now, right now, you can say, God, I pledge my life to you. I give it all back to you. I ask for your help. So I do this daily to surrender to you. Because God, I want to be faithful like you've been faithful to me. And while fruitfulness might not be my job, that's God's job. What a blessing that your faithfulness will bear fruit. Praise God for his faithfulness. And may God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the prayer and encouragement and blessing of the saints all around us, and through the life of Jesus himself, inspire us to be faithful as our God is faithful. Amen? I'd like to invite up the worship team. We're going to close our service by singing, Come, Lord Jesus. This is a song that may not be as familiar to you, but we ask you to join in when you can. But again, as we sing, um, we'd like to invite any pastors in the room up front. We'd like to pray for you. Maybe you something in a sermon you want to respond to, or maybe there's a, there's a part of you who's saying, God, I have not given it all to you. I want to be faithful to you. Or maybe you have other things going on that you'd like to pray for. We'd love to pray for you. But as you sing, I want to remind you to, to not only sing before the Lord, but to remember that your faithfulness means that you belong to each other. So as you see people come up, please remember to pray for them too. And as we sing this song, as we prepare to go, may we be reminded that our God is indeed faithful, but he desires that we be faithful too. Let's stand and sing together. If you're not familiar with this one, um, I'd just like us to sing these two last lines of the chorus together. Um, every heart longing for our king we sing even so come lord jesus come let's just sing even so come lord jesus come together even so come lord jesus come even so come lord jesus come even so even so will be 
be justice, all will be new. Your name forever, faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride, like a bride waiting for her groom. We'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, so we tell us is that God will never give you more than you can handle. And then I turned nine, I was like, God, you know, we need to rethink this. You know, this seems a little bit more than I can handle. Um, what I found is a quote that I think is a little bit better, at least for me, and I hope for you. St. Augustine, my African brother, says it like this, God is not a deceiver that he should offer to support us, and then when we lean upon him, should slip away from us. So it's not about God not giving us more than we can handle. It's about everything that life throws at us, God can handle, and God promises to be with us and to help carry us through. So it's not about you and what you can handle. It's about your God and how your God is faithful. That's why we are faithful, because he is faithful. Our Father, our God, we thank you so much for the blessing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence in this room, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence in our hearts and our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we can be faithful as you are faithful to us, Holy Spirit. You're faithful in calling us the memory of God's faithfulness in the past. You're faithful in leading and guiding us. You're faithful in illuminating not only the scriptures, but our lives. Lord Jesus, our Christ, we thank you that you are faithful even unto the death of the cross. You're faithful now preparing heaven for us. You're faithful now standing before the Father for us. 
And Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness, not only for your plan of salvation, but that after you saved us, you kept working on us, you kept transforming us into the image of your Son. So Lord, we pray that with everything you've given us, all of our skills, our gifts, our abilities, all of who we are, all of me, Lord, all of us, help us to daily pledge it at your feet. Help us to daily leave it at your feet. And Lord, help us to be faithful as you've been faithful to us. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a good week.